Hey, did you just have a meeting with a donor and they told you something really, really important and you have no place to put it except for like maybe an Excel spreadsheet or I don't know, a random piece of paper in your office? Go to DonorDoc.com. Get a CRM system that works. Get a donor database system that works. Get something that gives you beautiful reports and beautiful dashboards that even your crankiest board member will love. Go to DonorDoc.com. Use the code word "Do Good Better" at checkout and get a month free. DonorDoc.com. Your organization is awesome, but sometimes you want to be even awesomer. It's time to get your fundraising on with your host, fundraising expert and author, Patrick Kirby. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the official Do Good Better podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Kirby. And of course, we talk about things that help the small, medium-sized nonprofit do great big things. One of the things that I think is so important and that I am so unbelievably passionate about is the concept of enthusiasm. And I know that when you uh, are starting a gig and you run into an organization, like you just run through a wall and you're like, I'm going to go change the world. And then eventually it just sort of fades because you got 10,000 different things to do and you don't have that spark. And so today we're going to talk about it. And I'm not just going to talk about it because, um, you know, you could listen to me all day. Think of this. No, I'm going to get an expert. That's what this podcast is all about. Uh, I would like to welcome to the show uh, Joshua Evans. He is a uh, an international speaker. He's an organization and corporate culture expert and the author of Enthusiastic You. Joshua, welcome to the official Do Good Better podcast. Awesome to be here. Awesome to do good. Yes, I'm so excited. Um, Joshua is one of those human beings where uh, we got connected through somebody else. And then I think we spent an hour and a half just talking at a rate of speed and uh, of enthusiasm that is unmatched. And I had prided myself on being the most enthusiastic person I know until I met Joshua. So now I have an arch rival of enthusiasm, which is going to make for a very interesting (laughs) podcast today. Uh, I can't appreciate you enough to uh, be on the show. And if people are sort of uh, checking out iTunes and they're like, I want to learn about being enthusiastic, but they have no idea who you are, which is a mistake and a shame. So I would like to give you a 10,000 foot view. Uh, who are you? What do you do? And how did you get here? That's a great question. And I, I did love our last conversation because it was the cadence of like an F1 race. It was yeah. so fast, but I'm going to try and slow it down for your listeners because I'm not sure that they are going to catch it as fast as we're throwing it. Um, so my name is Joshua M. Evans. And so several years ago, and I spent over a decade in the corporate world, and I got into an argument one, one time because somebody I was working with was very despondent, right? They were okay with mediocrity. They were very complacent. And I got into this argument. I was like, look, if you're not passionate and enthusiastic about what you're doing, Whatever that is, you need to leave and go find something to actually care about. Otherwise, you're just going to go through life angry and you know disappointed. And so um, that night, I was sitting by myself because my wife was working late, and um, I was having a scotch with my dog, and and I decided to, I started to talk about enthusiasm. I started dictating to my iPad, and over the course of a few months, I started just adding you know different things about it and why enthusiasm is so important. And uh, and then you start to research enthusiasm. And the funny thing is, people are like, you can research enthusiasm. You actually can research enthusiasm. But um, what happened is I accidentally wrote this book, Enthusiastic You. And once it became a bestseller, I knew that I needed to quit my corporate job and take this to the world to help people re-engage in what they're doing, whether it's in a for-profit, a non-profit, um, in their families, in their professional, personal lives. There's a huge space, a huge hole that's missing. And I think it's enthusiasm. And now, a lot of people think that enthusiasm is just 
being excited or being like overly caffeinated. That's not what it is at all, right? Enthusiasm comes from a much deeper place. It comes from a place derived of passion. And if you go back to the original Greek meaning of the word enthusiasmos, it means possessed by God to be doing what you're supposed to be doing. Literally, it means that you are possessed to move forward. And the reason this has such a, a great uh, dovetail into the nonprofit world is because people don't join nonprofits to make money, do they? Of course not. They join nonprofits because they care about the cause. And so um, therein lies them feeling possessed by God or by whatever is compelling them to do good and to be part of that. And so that's why I think enthusiasm is so amazing. Now, in, in the corporate space, there's companies don't buy enthusiasm, but they'll buy employee engagement, which is exactly the same thing, right? They'll buy great company culture. And if you have a great company culture, people will be enthusiastic about it. And so that's the messaging I take to the corporate world and also from the keynote stages that I speak on is um, I, I highlight enthusiasm a bit less just because it's, it's a very tertiary term to them. But I think the more we can be committed to the work that we're doing to find passion, fulfillment, and derive meaning from it, the better work that we do. And so there, there you are in a nutshell. That's what I do. Oh, it's not really what I do. It's, it's my ethos. What I do is I keynote speak and then uh, companies bring me in to consult to help them develop phenomenal company cultures with enthusiastic employees. So there it is, Patrick, in a nutshell. And if, if you've been listening to the show or uh, we've had any uh, interaction, uh, you'll know immediately now why uh, Joshua and I get along. Uh, it is that sort <laughs> of like ramped up F1 uh, sort of speed in which we're so enthusiastic about talking about enthusiasm. And I think that's, that's a, that's a missing uh, piece there as well. I was told by a, a former boss that uh, my enthusiasm wasn't going to raise enough money for my organization. And I disagreed wholeheartedly is because if you lose that spark, if you lose that passion for what you're doing, it's easily uh, seen on people's faces. You can read right through them and, and, and really you're not sparking anyone else's joy which means you're dragging everybody else down. And, and if that's what I love about what you do in sort of creating this uh, corporate culture, nonprofit culture, uh, is to maintain and grow the passion by which you started with to continue on. Um, so let's start there. Let's start with somebody who's lost their enthusiasm. What are the tall tale signs? What are the things that you just should be looking for? Because I think that's a good starting place. And then we'll reverse engineer on how do you get it back. But what are you looking for on, on sort of glancing across the boardroom where you're just seeing this glossed over face? What are we looking for to get those signs? That, see, and that, that's, a great, that's a great point. Because I, what I want to highlight here is it doesn't happen overnight. Like somebody yeah. doesn't like one day they love working for their nonprofit or their company. And then the next day they go, screw these guys, I'm running off. No, it, do, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Right. So it happens slowly. Right. It's it's a slow uncoupling. Right. And if you think about like a trailer attached to a truck, right. I'm from Texas. So I use these kind of examples, which is ridiculous, but a trailer it's that easily, if you hit a bump, right. And you didn't put it on the ball hitch, right. Boom. It's off. Right. And all of a sudden the chains are going to make for a spectacular accident. Like that's a really quick uncoupling. It doesn't happen that way with people and their enthusiasm, right? Because people that are fired up with passion and enthusiasm about something, they, on day one, they're very excited to be there. But it's day 500 where they want to stab one of the other volunteers. So, like, what happened in there? What, what happened is it's not that what we have them do or what our mission is has changed, right? The mission hasn't changed at all. It's their perception. And over time, these people, they get, they get, they get stuck in these ruts, right? Because uh, routines are great, right? Mm -hmm. Routines are great, but routines, routines can become ruts and then we feel stuck in them. And so if somebody's been doing the same effort, the same work, 
they're now just looking at the tasks and the functions and the responsibilities of that role. So if you have a volunteer who's always in charge of crowd management, right? And so they're doing, or you have a volunteer that's always in charge of fundraising or always in charge of handing out the name tags, whatever it might be. If you have a volunteer that's doing that every single time, they're going to forget why they cared so much about um, your vision and your goal and the mission of your nonprofit because they're just focusing on the small tasks and functions. When you, you do that, they don't see the, the world for what it really is. They just see the little role that they have and it's so easy for them to lose their passion. So all that preamble to say the, the telltale signs are people that you, you, I mean, you know, if somebody really cares about it because they're contributing in the conversations, right. In the meetings, right. Somebody who's just going through the motions is a telltale sign that they're burnout on what they're trying to do. And they've lost that spark of passion. Mm-hmm. Um, burnout, which is such an unbelievable issue in the nonprofit world, right? 18 months is the average span of a career in development at a, at a particular organization. They leave after that. That's typically a national across the board. And the reason is, is because they have unrealistic expectations and they're so t- they wear 10,000 different hats and they forget why they got there in the first place. And, and so when you are a leader and when you are in getting to that rut mode, how much responsibility do you put on the person to get themselves out? And how much responsibility do you put on the organization to help them get out? Because there's got to be a balance between the two. And you've got to come to some sort of agreement. You can't tell somebody to be enthusiastic and they don't, they're don't they unwilling to do so. The same way that you uh, you know can't vice versa. What does that look like in a, in, a, in a healthy relationship business to manager to employee kind of thing? Well, and to be honest with you, I've never seen a perfectly healthy organization. No, right? but but there is there is there's give and take on both of those sides. Right. So, um, first off, and I've been called a motivational speaker. I'm not because I don't think that one person can motivate another person. It's impossible, right? I can give you tools to be motivated. Mm-hmm. You can explain why they should be motivated, but it's still up to the individual to drive that motivation for why they're doing it, right? Right. Everybody has their own why, as Simon Sinek would say, right? Everybody yeah. derives different meaning behind it. Some people are part of your association because. Um, it makes them feel good about themselves. Some are because they had a family member go go through something that your uh, organization may be addressing. Those little things, it's where their soft spot and their heart is. And that's the only place that they can go to really derive, I'll say, that, that passion or that enthusiasm behind it. Mm-hmm. Now, where it fits into the organization, what they can do as a leader to keep these people in passion is to constantly don't be talking about what their role is or what their role does. Don't be talking about what your organization is or what your organization does. What you need to be doing is going way, way beyond that and talking about what your organization means, what it means to the volunteers, what it means to the people that you serve and what it means to the community as a whole. And when you do that, they can step back and see that bigger picture of what they're part of because everybody wants to feel like they're they're part of something bigger than themselves. And everybody wants to know that their work has meaning and it does. The problem is it's so easy to forget what doing a great job means to those that depend on us in our organizations. It's funny that that is the exact steps that you need to make and you need to tell those that donate to your organization. What's the impact and what's the meaning of the organization and how they helped. And we spend so much time on the donor side. We spend so much time on the volunteer side that we forget about what the internal uh, folks and we forget to re-spark and tell them that over and over again. And we forget to remind ourselves that over and over again so that we lose track of why we started in the first place. And yet we are under the assumptions that we're going to go and tell others who help our organization with monetary or, or time or talent or treasure, whatever that is, we're going to remind them of their impact, but we're not going to remind ourselves. And therefore we're kind of secondary to being enthusiastic or reminding ourselves about that spark. That seems like an insane thing to do. 
Well, but it, I, I think it's, it's natural for us because we have, we have to be funded. We need the money. We need to go out and, you know, get, you know, people to donate. And so we're outwardly focused, right? Yeah. We're outwardly focused and we rarely take time to, to t- turn back and go, Oh, we need to be inwardly focused for a little bit because these people need the message just as much as everybody on the outside. And when we're, when we're only focused on the outside message, then things on the inside atrophy, don't they? It's pretty wild. And so here's a really cool like example from uh, the corporate world that you can easily bring into to the nonprofit. Um, I had a really cool interview with the president of Club Med. His name uh, is Xavier Mufraji. Super cool guy. Really neat. And so he's the president of Club Med. And it, it is it's a really cool resort. If you've ever been there, check it out. The only way I saw one is because I snuck into one. Um, that was, a, and I got kicked out, but it's okay. Um, he didn't know that, but I interviewed him recently and the way that they work because they get lots of young people into their organization. Um, and you, as you probably know, hospitality has crazy turnover, just like nonprofits. It's crazy how quick they turn over. And so what they do there, and they have one of the longest retention rates as far as uh, employees and staff go, and they do. Um, But what Club Med does differently is they bring somebody in and they put them on roles for very short periods of time. Hmm. So three to six months you're in this role, and then I'm moving you to a different role because I want you to learn something else. And the thing is, it it gives them just enough excitement, right, to get gear spooled up and that. And you would think that they would lose continuity with the next with the next role. But what happens is they start learning into the next role and they throw them into another area. Like, okay, this is what we want you to focus on now. And it keeps their mind fresh and the mission behind what they're doing really exciting too. And if you didn't know that, like the mission behind Clubmen is actually a pretty amazing one because they started out as an organiz- as a nonprofit organization that took all these uh, army surplus tents after World War II in Europe, took them down to Malta and then used it as a place to let uh, uh, people that were in concentration camps come and convalesce. Hmm. Yeah. And so they started from a very philanthropic place as well. But the key is, is, is keeping them knowing that their mission is bigger than than just getting this task or this responsibility done. You know, it's, it's interesting, too, because I think right about now we have the attention span of Nats in general. And you and me are all people. All, well, I was just going to, well, you and me in particular, but we're a good hyper examples of just general world uh, world at this point. But even if you think that you're saying uh, and, you're, and you're lifting up those and you're celebrating wins within your organization, you're probably doing it in a way that's been the same over and over again. Well, if you're going to talk about your successes in the same t- sort of way, it's going to sound exactly what my voice does to my kids which is this droning buzzing sound wah, and they're not going to get it. Wah, wah. I'm going to sound like the Peanuts character, right? Peanuts teacher. What I'm not going to do is um, use the same tonality because they're just not going to pay attention. So you have to think about different things. And I love that Club Med sort of three to six months bit where it's not like you are throwing them into a different organization. It's just a different role. You're saying something differently. You're giving them uh, a, a little bit of kudos here. That's the way, oh, I didn't, I've never heard that before. And you're probably saying the same thing, but you're doing it in a different way. It's what sort of tips and, and, and tricks have you seen within corporate culture on the way that you can celebrate and lift others up internally that might be and might resonate with the nonprofit world that's different, that's outside of the box, that's really weird, that maybe we aren't thinking about because we've got our horse blinders on and we got to raise money, raise money, raise money for our mission. And so what's interesting, there's several schools of thought on, but I, so we've all seen these organizations where, um, Hey, we're going to be able to, we're going to give the leadership at our organization, the ability to bestow like a small gift or a small thank you onto somebody like, here's a, Hey, I saw somebody doing good. So here's a $25 gift card to Starbucks, right? Or maybe a $5 gift card to Starbucks. I don't know. And so we've seen that the problem with that is right. Yeah. We're rewarding the behavior, 
But what we need to be doing is rewarding the recognition. And so what, I, what I've seen done, and this is a really fascinating way to do it, is to change it up. So if you see another volunteer doing something above average, you need to recognize them to the whole team. And the person that recognizes them is the one that gets the $5 gift card. Which, which sounds totally counterintuitive, but now what, what you're doing is you're training people for look to look for the good in the other people, and then they're constantly being reinforced by the people that they're working with. And so it's 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 different than rewarding the good behavior. You're rewarding the people that are recognizing the good behavior. It's br- brilliant, by the way. Isn't that wild? It's I mean, again, that's that's the type of yeah, that sounds so simple, and that sounds it's, so it easy. just twist your brain. It's it's the same. It's the same exact thing, except somebody else is getting the reward, right? Because the recognition should be the real reward, right? But now that people are looking for it, they're going to see more of it. Because what we choose to perceive first becomes the reality of a situation. You and I both know that, right? Like the second you buy a blue Honda and pull onto the road, what happens? Yep. Where the hell did all these blue Hondas come from? Why? Exactly. Yeah. And so um, that's the exact thing. So if we're, if we're showing people or encouraging them to look for the good that others are doing, right? The recognition, because gratitude is one of the best gifts anybody can get. It really is. Yeah. It really is. So, um, yeah. and if you don't, if you don't say thanks to a donor, they're never going to give to you again. That's kind of the bit, but the unexpected thank yous, the unexpected uh, pieces of, of, of gratitude and appreciation where you didn't, I didn't do anything. Well, yeah, you did. You picked up the phone. You did this thing in the community that didn't have anything to do with our organization, but I want to lift you up for recognizing and paying attention to the good that you're doing elsewhere. Well, now all of a sudden you're the organization of the person that's known as the person who lifts up others and they want to be attracted to you. They want to come and ask you questions. And what are you doing as well? Right. There's this, this really weird law of attraction of you being grateful. That's a weird thing to just conceptualize. And if you're an organization that's known for that, if you're an organization that's known for lifting up others, well, people are going to want to join that organization. They're going to want to be a part of that group. Even if it's, it, again, it can start with, I know I'm going to get something for being appreciative, or I know I think I'm going to, yeah. but you're, it's the only thing that you can do that's acceptable in being selfish. I know that if I say thank you to you, you're also going to say thank you to me for saying thank you. And this is weird gratitude loop in perpetuity that you can feel great about. And that's okay. Uh, no, and I love that. And you know, I think, and especially in the nonprofit world, we're too busy and we're focused on the things that we have yet to accomplish, right? And just, just like everybody else, we have a to-do list, right? These are all the stuff that I have to do. And most people, what they'll do is they'll take their to-do list and then they'll they'll write everything down. And then when they do something, they'll cross it off. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, I did something over here that wasn't on the list. I'll go add it to the list and then I'll cross that off too. And so then at the end of the day, right? Or at the end of an event or at the end of whatever it is, all the stuff we failed to do will carry over to the next day. We're literally carrying over all of our failures and we forget about the stuff that we've accomplished, right? Mm -hmm. Especially in nonprofits, we forget about the last successful event or fundraising effort and we're too busy and too focused on the next one. We we rarely take time to look back at how far we've come because we're looking at the next goalpost. And the problem with that is we're, we're treating our, our work or our efforts like Tetris, right? Where all your mistakes stack up and then all of your uh, successes disappear at the bottom. Like it, I'm, I'm sorry for the millennial reference, but that's what we're doing. And it's absolutely ridiculous. Is, is, is there, is there a bit, cause I've always found that nonprofits especially think that celebrating wins and celebrating their successes is bragging. 
and that's why they don't do it a lot is because they don't want the to look oh it's not about us it's about those impact but if well, that, you don't I celebrate mean, a win you've seen this right you yeah, have oh, the giant thermometer on the wall and you color yeah. it you color it you color it. hey team we got to the we got to the thing great now now take it down take it yep. down yeah take it down yeah. we don't want them to know we actually got money it's like what come yeah. on guys it's ridiculous and so i so i'm part of a, a nonprofit here in my hometown too right it's a tedx but that's a nonprofit mm-hmm. and so um we literally make zero dollars on it. We, we donate everything. We have to get everything donated. And the conversation has to be around, what does this mean to everybody else, right? And if my team that's working right and volunteering their time doesn't know that what we're doing is great and and that what their work, the work that they're doing is valuable, they're not going to want to come volunteer next year when we have the event. They just aren't. Mm-hmm. And so I make, I make, I mean, and Ted's a bit different, right? Because we're not, you know, donating money to something, but um, we're donating knowledge to our community. And yep. so- I am huge about promoting the heck out of it, about about highlighting people that have gone above and beyond doing great work. I, I am all about celebrating the success and the wins and the the end of it, right? Like I put pictures of everybody like on the TED stage, like, yeah, look at these guys are doing awesome. You have to, man. That it's just reinforcing the good, good behavior. You can't just highlight the bad stuff. You can't just look at the bad stuff. It's just like a child. You have to reinforce the behavior that you want emulated. It's part of the, uh, I don't know if you've ever taken a disc score or whatever. I have. You want right? to guess what I am? I know what you are. Yeah, I know exactly exactly where you are. If you're not a high eye, I would be, I'd eat a shoe because that's exactly what it is. But one of the things that I think people who are high eye enthusiastic um, or overly optimistic, there is a sense to others that it's disingenuous or there's a, there's an inauthenticity to it because the there's no way that you can be that authentically passionate about it. How do you counter that? Because that's that's I think if you uh, if you always go with your glass overflowingly full, there's going to be those negative naysayers that are like, whatever, that's caffeine or booze or whatever. They can't do that. How do you counteract a feeling it's, of inauthenticity to somebody who is enthusiastic authentically, but it doesn't because they're matched up against somebody who is just a an Eeyore in the room? God, the Eeyores. Yeah, I used to use that as an, it's a great example. It is the Eeyores. Like, oh, I guess I don't have a tail today. It's like, well, yep. then go get one, dude. And so yeah. I'm, it's it's hard, right? Because I've had I've had managers in previous roles that were like, Josh, you need to settle down, right? Yep. You're too excited. Yeah. I was like, well, here's the thing: either I'm excited or I don't care. Like, those are the two options I have, right? Because if I'm not passionate about it, and if I don't bring my energy to it, you're going to get no energy from me. I don't mean, I don't, and I don't know about you. Like, I don't really have like, like a low set level throttle, right? If I do something, I'm, I'm all in, like I wake up like this, right. To the yes. chagrin of my wife who goes, you need to, you need to go away until I've had a cup of coffee. Yes. At least. And so I, I don't know another way. Right. Yeah. I don't know another way. And so I, I mean, heck, I've, I remember like grade school having teachers that didn't know how to handle my energy because I was just, just like, okay, we're going to do Play-Doh. Oh, Play-Doh, yeah. And they're like, okay, this kid has issues, right? Challenges, right? And I, I mean, um, threatened with all sorts of behavior modification drugs as a kid. I was like, no, 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 I can focus. I'm just excited. And I'm, I should be allowed to be. And like, I don't shame people for being despondent. But, I mean, sometimes I do. But um my my rebuttal to somebody's like, okay, look, I think you're bringing too much energy and enthusiasm to this. Is I think you've accepted mediocrity. I think you've accepted less than you deserve. Mm-hmm. That that's pure and simple. And um, the funny thing is, there's a study done at Harvard University by a guy named Doctor Acker. I don't know if you ever heard about him. He's a really sharp guy. 
but he did this study about people with a positive brain. And I don't mean like people that are just happy no matter what, but people right. that are genuinely looking for the good in a situation. And he found that those people are 34% more productive. People that are with a positive perspective, is it, they're three times more creative, 10 times more engaged. It, it's, it's crazy all because they're looking for the solutions, not just looking at the problems. Because we all know the people that bring problems to the table, right? And to be honest, if you if you bring a problem to the table, but you don't bring a solution, then it's not a problem. And so, and I've, I've instituted this in several organizations that I've worked with is if somebody has a problem, they're only allowed to bring it forward to their manager, to their boss, to whoever, to leadership. The only way they can bring it to leadership is if they bring three solutions with them. They don't have to be great uh -huh. solutions, but bring three solutions. It proves to me that you're not just looking for the bad, you're trying to fix the problem. Yeah. Yeah. And I and that's so and so funny because if you work for a nonprofit, your nonprofit is solving a problem. So why aren't you enthusiastically championing that every single day? Because right. you're the solution to a lot of things the government can't, shouldn't, and won't do. You're the gap fillers. And so realizing that, isn't that something that you should double down on rather than you know sort of hide? And I think I think people are more attracted to a group that is imbibing the, the the positivity because they're in that philanthropic brain power. I know that if it bleeds, it leads. And, and from a news media, the, the more horrifying things are, people are going to be attracted to watching and looking that, but not in philanthropy, not in business. Nobody's in the business of feeling bad about buying a product. Nobody's in the business of feeling bad about donating to an organization. Um, you're a solutions-based organization. So why wouldn't you be enthusiastically? And I think when you don't have that passion behind what you say and what you do, you don't believe in it, you're, you're doing more harm to your organization while you're out pitching and selling and, and soliciting than you are not even going out. You're right. And so, and there's a, there's a really neat book called uh, the question behind the question by a guy named John Miller, mm. but uh, I spoke with him and his, one of his big concepts with, with any organization, be it for-profit or non-profit is you have to believe or you should leave mm. because it's so detrimental to have people that are just going through the motions mm. that, that are okay with this atrophied spirit behind what they're doing. And, and I, I, I'm just, ah, it, it's, it's infuriating yeah. to watch people go through that. Right. Yeah. And it's, here's the thing. And I want to throw this out there. Enthusiasm isn't just the way that you and I are, right. It's not just high eyes. No. Right. Cause if you were to take a D and they're very enthusiastic, they're going to act very different, right? Or an S or a C, like enthusiasm looks different. For some people like me, enthusiasm is, is at the top of my lungs and forcefully getting excited about it and getting other people excited about it. That's my enthusiasm. For, for other people, their enthusiasm can be stoic focus on trying to accomplish exactly what's in front of them. Enthusiasm doesn't have to be somebody that's boisterous and even bombastic like you and I, mm -hmm. but enthusiasm is absolutely essential and it's rooted in that place of passion. And so um, you can tell if somebody is enthusiastic and you can tell if somebody is, I, I, what, I'm trying to think of a nice word. I'm just going to say, okay with mediocrity. Right. And maybe talk a little bit about that too. And I think you've, you've been in enough corporate boardrooms where you understand that leadership with different enthusiastic levels or the ways that people show enthusiasm is probably a challenge to combine powers for good, right? There's no Voltron-like uh, book that you can get to say, okay, all of our enthusiastic powers, even though you're a, you sound like you're not enthusiastic, even though I know you are, how do you lead as a leader in different categories of enthusiasm for others? Because I know that I, you know, if I, if I'm walking into a room and I'm trying to lead a group, I'm going to have to meet people where they are. How do you navigate 
that enthusiasm when there's a gap in those who you're trying to lead? Well, and so is it a gap in enthusiasm or is it a gap in expectation? Because there's a difference there, right? Right. Maybe let's let's maybe talk about both because I think that might be, and I know people who are listening are, are especially board of directors, right? So people who've been there for a number of years, they have the expectations of doing X, Y, and Z. It's never been the never been the thing that's been accomplished. Blah blah blah. Their enthusiasm is probably low, or maybe it's the maybe it's the latter as well. So maybe we'll walk through a couple of those because I'm I'm interested from those who are listening to the podcast on how they can enact their own enthusiasm and how they lead with that. See, one of the best ways I found to do that, right, is to not talk about enthusiasm because once again, enthusiasm becomes this um, unobtainable thing. Like, oh, it's just about being excited, and I don't, I don't like to cloud the waters, right? Because it's still around, it's still around purpose. And so, what I like to do is I do this exercise, and I've done this with several boards. And I start off. What we really want to do is get to meaning, like we were talking about before. And so, what I've done, and this is a, uh, is I'll take an inanimate object. And here, this one's kind of enhanced. So I have this this plastic coat hanger, right? It's actually quite cheap. It was from Target. Boom. And so this isn't compelling at all, right? It's not exciting. I can be pretty despondent about this. I don't care, right? I don't care about this coat hanger, but let's, so we know what it is. This, it is a triangle with a hook on top. Is that exciting to you, Patrick? No, it's not. Of course not. Yet we'll come to our meetings and say, okay, everybody remember, this is our nonprofit association. Nobody's going to get excited by talking about what it is. Fine. Let's talk about, oh, let's talk about what it does. What this coat hanger does is it holds jackets or shirts or pants or blouses. That's what it does. Is that exciting, Patrick? Eh, better than just a thing, maybe. But yeah, but it's but it's still it's not compelling, right? You can still be despondent about it. But people, these board of directors, they'll show up in these meetings. Okay, let's go over what we do again. So we save, you know, the West Texas, you know, frogs from losing their habitat. There is no West Texas frogs. They're all toes out there, but whatever. So we, so we do that. We think that that's what our that's what our organization does. The problem is, is if you talk about what something is or what something does, it's not compelling. If we're talking about this coat hanger, what it is or what it does, it's not compelling. And if we want people to be enthusiastic, to retain their passion and derive purpose and meaning behind and fulfillment behind their efforts, if we want them to be excited at month month six as they were on day two. We have to go deeper, and I think that a lot of the boards they, they fail to do this, and this goes for corporate or nonprofits. They fail to go to that extra step to make it emotional because everybody joined, right, from an emotional place. They didn't. They wouldn't join a nonprofit if it wasn't an emotional piece, right? Because they're, they're not in it for the money. And so, how do we how do we go that extra step? How do we how do we go beyond what it is or what it does? So, what we need to be talking about is what it means. So let's let's go back to the coat hanger for a second, right? I'll tell you what this coat hanger means to me. It means that at a moment's notice, I can put on a press clean shirt. It means I can be confident in the way that I look. Hopefully it means the respect of the people that I'm speaking to. Um, at the end of the day, having that coat hanger, it, it, for me, it means peace of mind. And if we're going to go a step deeper and make it a little bit more emotional, which I think we can, especially now that the, the professional veil has been lifted after COVID, we can go a step deeper and more emotional with it. There's a coat hanger in my closet that's holding the dress that my wife was wearing 12 years ago when she said, I do. And I think that's that's where the real rubber meets the road. We have to be bringing the emotional piece into it. So what I've done and what I, I suggest, if there, if you have anybody that's on the board of any nonprofit, here's what you should do. Sit in your board meeting, right? Say, what what is our association? What is our organization? Have them, everybody go around the room and say what it is, right? Now, okay, let, what, what do we do? And say what it does. And it's like, now we're gonna talk about what does it mean? What does it mean to the what, the cause that you're serving? What does it mean? 
to the volunteers? What does it mean to every one of your donors? And then what does it mean to society as a whole? And once you write those things down and have everybody contribute, you're going to walk away with goosebumps because you're going to remember why you cared so much the first day. You're going to remember that there is a much bigger purpose behind it. And, and it's, it's, it's way easier with a nonprofit that I do this with, with corporate executives. It's way easier with a nonprofit because you're already doing it for good. Do good better. I love it. And, and that's really what boards want to figure out to reignite that spark, that passion that's behind why they joined the board in the first place, why they meandered through two terms and 15 board meetings and hours of, of writing and reading materials. The only way that that's even justified in a, in a, in a, in a, a sane human mind is if you're making an impact and you remember why you got there in the first place. And it doesn't matter if you're a board member, if you're a, if you're an employee that just starts, if you're a volunteer that gives a couple of hours a day or a couple of hours a, a year to the organization, you need to know that. And that is enthusiasm. And that's why it's important. And that's why your optimism and your impact and the and, and why you need to celebrate those wins is so unbelievably important because if that spark goes out, well, then it takes a hell of a lot more time to get it back than it does to sort of spread to everybody else. And that's what I think this is just such an important uh, thing. Uh, yes, is, you have to have purpose or you're going to perish. Absolutely. That's it. That's it. And if you don't have it, nobody wants to support it because nobody wants to save that sinking ship of people who just don't believe in it themselves. And they want to find meaning in what they donate as well. Right. The West Texas spotted frog. Which is just something that I will now be looking up on Wikipedia. I'm pretty sure I made it up. I'm it's good. And if you did, I will let you know. And if you didn't, I'm going to send you the screenshot of like what I found of the West Vegas. Um, if if an you. association yeah. exists to save them, I will donate a hundred dollars to it today. Done. Sold. I will also do that as well. And in honor of you for being a guest on the official do good better podcast, Joshua, thank you so much. I seriously, I, from the minute you and I picked up the phone at jock um, and every piece of this conversation and, and your book itself, phenomenal. Uh, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, not only to maybe, you know, bring you into a corporate room, a corporate boardroom, they want to bring you into a nonprofit. They want to read your book. They want to figure out who on earth you are. They want to get involved. How on earth did they do it? So you can check out my website. It's Joshua M evans.com. Uh, you can hit me up on social media, most platforms it's at enthusiastic you, um, or on LinkedIn it's LinkedIn in slash the Joshua M Evans. And so, uh, yeah, or you can even email me. Do people do email still? Yeah, I, I oh, think dude, so. Oh, dude, email me, email me, email me directly, right? Don't even go through the info. Go josh at joshuamevans.com. Shoot me an email. I'm happy to chat, happy to talk. Um, I'll promise to bring at least this much energy to that conversation as well. I love it. I, uh, I fear for the day that we get in a room together. Uh, not for us. I feel for everybody else uh, that we just needed a lot of space with a lot more people. It's going to happen someday. I guarantee Cold it. fusion, man. It's going to explode. It's going to be great. It's going to be fantastic. I can't uh, thank you enough for the time and for your perspective and for your enthusiasm. Uh, I will put all the links to the show notes uh, as well. Uh, thank you so much for being a guest. I really appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate knowing that there's somebody else in this world who has an extraordinary amount of passion for what they do uh, and who uh, is infectious in the way that they talk about enthusiasm. I will use you as a reference forever uh, in that department. I appreciate you. Thanks for much being on the official do Good Better podcast. Thank you for having me. It was awesome.
Look, as someone who listens to the show, you know that I love helping small and medium-sized nonprofits. That's why we bring on the awesome experts and guests that get to talk to you about how to make your organization more awesome. So I've got a deal for you. I would like to help you. I would like to work with you. So if you go to dogooduniversity.com, that's dogooduniversity.com, and you register for one of the courses, I'm going to send you my best-selling book, Fundraise Awesomer, a practical guide to staying sane while doing good for free, because I really want you to do amazing work. Listen, dogooduniversity.com, go pick out something, whether it's a board training or a gratitude training or whatever webinar you want to choose. Um, Use the promo code podcast, take 25% off of anything that you purchase, and I'm going to throw in a book as well, because I want you to do awesome, I want you to do awesomer, and I want you to do good better. Go to dogooduniversity.com today.